Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Guide Sources. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret Noon. It is great to be with you today. And as promised, uh, I want to talk about an issue that uh, really is at the forefront, uh, should be at the forefront of what we're talking about in this country, but it is the easiest one to kick down the road. It's the conversation nobody wants to have. And as a lot of you longtime listeners know, uh, we got to have the crucial conversation. We got to have the, we got to get comfortable having the uncomfortable conversation. And to me, one of the uncomfortable conversation we need to have as a country is about our debt and our deficit spending. Uh, there's not a single one of us that could allow our households to function the way the United States government has been functioning uh, for the last several decades under Democratic leadership, under Republican leadership and back and forth. Uh, both sides have abdicated the moral authority to talk about spending. Uh, Republicans used to always claim that was their thing. We're going to be fiscally responsible. We're going to we're going to take care of your money. We're going to put more money back in your pocket. Uh, we're going to make sure that we limit the size and scope and scale of the United States government. Uh, and that all seemed to be really good when they were in the minority. Uh, and then they got the majority in the White House and spend away we go. And while most of us were out uh, probably racking up a little of our own debt, uh, to be honest, but before Christmas, uh, buying a few extra gifts there at the last minute, uh, the United States government uh, passed uh, the next round of spending. The president signed it into law. And per usual, per usual, this was done at the last minute. A 2,000-page bill that I'm sure nobody read, uh, because if they did read it, uh, they should all be fired for what was in there. Uh, And so here we are. We have to remember that we have been in a prolonged period of economic growth. Uh, This has been a good financial time. We can can debate whether the income inequality problem, uh, that's that's a different issue. Uh, But the economy as a whole has been humming along, continues to grow, and yet we continue to rack up more and more debt. Even many of our military experts say that the number one threat to this country is is not China, is not Russia, is not North Korea. The number one threat to the country is our national debt. But nobody wants to talk about it. And so we keep getting these last-minute spending bills, uh, no real debate, no opportunity for amendments, Uh, It's just a a straight up or down vote. And this is the ultimate in Washington, fake fight, false choice. Both sides will rail. And then they say, well, we either shut down the government right before Christmas or we got to 
we got to bite this off and just we're just going to have to vote yes. And so the vast majority of members in both the House and the Senate voted yes. The president signed it into law, uh, showing that he's not overly concerned about uh, the debt or the deficits either. And and then we find out what's in it. That's always the exciting part of these exercises is to figure out what's actually in these bills after they're approved. Again, 2,000 pages that no one even had time to print, let alone read, uh, or have any staff members really go through and highlight. But here's something that's that's pretty interesting to me. So Mitch McConnell, leader of the Republicans in the Senate, uh, he's up for re-election this year in 2020. So he'll he'll face a nominal challenge i think in terms of his home state uh, he usually does pretty well there and and here's why <laughs> so mitch mcconnell is running for this is his going to be his seventh term that's a long time in washington dc he'll be running for his seventh term he will have been in office for 42 years running for seven more and he flexed his muscle in this spending bill to the tune of almost a billion billion with a B dollars in spending, federal spending, directed to Kentucky. So he's going to make a lot of his friends in Kentucky happy. A lot of his supporters in Kentucky will be very pleased. But let's take a a little closer look as to what is included in that almost billion dollars of federal money. And I would remind everyone, when you hear government funded or federally funded uh, you got to translate that the translation is taxpayer funded that means you and me we paid for this and this is what we're getting this is all going to kentucky uh it included some uh, very important things i know to all of you here in uh, the great state of utah uh there was uh 40 million 40 million increase over last year's funding uh and a major tax break worth $426 million to those great people in Kentucky who distill spirits. Kentucky sipping whiskey is what we're talking about here. $426 million in 2020 alone as a tax break for those who uh, distill the distilleries of Kentucky. Now, personally, I don't think those of us living here in Utah should be paying so that the distillers in Kentucky can get a $426 million tax break in 2020. Uh, they also uh, forked out $65 million for construction of a forage animal production lab at the University of Kentucky. I don't even know what that is. Uh, there was $16.5 million uh, in the Department of Agriculture to implement a pro-hemp provision that McConnell got into the farm bill. Uh, And on and on it goes. There were money, millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars for thoroughbreds and hemp and whiskey uh, and a lot of the other of Kentucky's uh, signature issues uh, for for the state and for their economy. And so, again, my question to everyone is don't be fooled. When they said these are federally funded dollars, you got to translate that. That is the federal government doesn't have the money. They tax it. They get it from us. And so how do we feel about that? Do we really want our members of Congress voting to fund money for over $400 million for distilleries in Kentucky or for thoroughbred racehorses or for fixing the potholes of the Talladega Speedway? Uh, this is This is not what it's all about. 
And we have to remember that there will come a time when the economy is going to dip. <laughs> a lot of people are saying it's coming sooner than we think. And then what's going to happen? Or what's going to happen when right now we pay uh, not a whole lot uh, in terms of our uh, interest on our debt because we're basically at a zero interest, a little above zero. But eventually that's going to go up. And if that goes up to historic averages, so I'm not even talking about a big spike, just a, a little bump, just to historic averages, the United States government will have to pay over a trillion dollars in interest alone. That's just the interest payment. And there's no tax increase that can fill that hole. You could print more money, but that hurts the poor and the most vulnerable among us the most. And is that what we want? And so we have to quit accepting this idea that, hey, there's just nothing we can do about this. It's just the way it is. This is hard. This is complicated. No, do not be fooled by the fake fight and the false choice of Washington. Because if they convince us that we're too divided to deal with a budget, if we're too divided to deal with health care or immigration, it just ensures that the status quo remains. And it's time for the American people to reject that. Uh, we're better than that as a country, and we have to expect more. The founders of this nation understood that we would have conflict in this country. But the founders also banked on the American people speaking their mind, raising their voice, casting votes, and ensuring that people will get in office uh, that will take care of business. Remember, conflict is not the problem in Washington, D.C. when it comes to spending. Collusion is the problem. You cannot get $23 trillion in debt through conflict. It's impossible. The only way you can get $23 trillion in debt is through collusion. And it's both sides of the aisle looking the other way, not reading the bill that is going to spend all kinds of money, not just for Kentucky, although you have to say that Mitch McConnell did very well for those who are going to vote for him in 2020, uh, to the tune of about a billion dollars, a billion dollars going to Kentucky for those who are distilling spirits and whiskey uh, to thoroughbred racehorses, uh, almost a billion dollars of taxpayer money going there to fund those programs. And so it's time to get beyond that. Uh, that's the real test. All right, time to, for us to step aside for bottom of the hour. When we come back, Jessica Tarlov will join us. And we're going to talk 2020, what it means for the Republicans, what it means for the Democrats, right here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us.